Last week we began to consider the essential doctrine of prayer, and we began to look at Jesus, his example of how we ought to pray as found in Matthew chapter 6 and verses 5 to 13. Let's go back and read that passage again in Matthew 6 and verses 5 to 13. We're looking at each of the phrases, each of the elements that Jesus said should be included in our petition prayers when we are asking God for the things that we need. And he begins this passage with presenting the proper attitude before we ever come to prayer. And then we just began to look at one of the elements last week, and so we'll continue where we left off. But let's, let's read this passage again in Matthew 6, beginning at verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Now, notice it doesn't say, repeat these words after me. It says, in this manner. This is an example. This is, He gives us some elements that should be included in our prayers, but in our own words and from our own heart. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven. We started out last week with our Father, and now we'll begin with the second, and we'll finish reading here. But our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The phrase that we want to begin to consider this, this morning is, which art in heaven. He's our father. We have the privilege to call the creator of heaven and earth our father. But we need to remember who our father is. He sets. His throne is in heaven. He rules over all. We are not to forget to whom we are praying. Let's go to Isaiah 66. We come with this confidence into the presence of our Father. We have the privilege to call him Father, but we must not forget who he is and the privilege we have to come to him. He's the God of heaven. Isaiah 66 in verses 1 and 2 says, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. This is our father. His throne is in heaven. He rules over all. And so we should come Yes, with that 
being familiar enough to call him Father, Abba Father, and yet to understand that he is over all. He is sovereign, that he's worthy of our praise. And we can't do anything to impress him. That's not why he answers prayers. He answers the prayers. He looks upon those who have a broken heart, who realizes we are nothing without our creator, who also happens to be our father. We tremble at his word. In other words, his word is the final authority because not only is he our father, he's, a hev- he, he's the God of heaven and earth. He's the creator of all things. We tremble at his word because we understand that only his word has lasting value, has power and authority over our life. Then Jesus goes on to say, hallowed be thy name. In other words, holy be your name. Remember, holiness speaks of separation. God is separate from everything. And in this case, when, when we talk about the holiness of God, we're talking about his uniqueness. There's no one like him. And in our heart, in our mind, our attitudes need to be, there's no one like God. He is in my life. He's above everything and everyone. Only God is God. Hallowed be thy name. Your name is unique. This, of course, is why Christians are not to use the Lord's name in vain. Being around the construction crews again, I hear it all day long. Foul language. I remember working in it, and then all of a sudden it comes back, and one one fellow was being liberal with his uh, crude language, and his foreman happened to be on the side, and he says, uh, language, language, because the pastor's here. I said, well, it's a little late for that. But we don't use the Lord's name in vain. We don't use it as a filler. And yet I, I hear many Christians use the Lord's name in vain, not necessarily meaning to use it in a foul way, but just as kind of a stutter word, kind of a feel word. No, his name is hallowed. It's holy. It's unique. It's special. Psalm 149, he's to be, his name is to be praised, to be honored. When we speak of the Lord, it needs to be with great awe, great honor. Hallowed be thy name. Psalm 149 and verses 1 through 6, our prayers are to be full of praise. Psalm 149 verse 1, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. And his praise in the assembly of saints. We did that this morning, didn't we? Hopefully we did it with a genuine, sincere heart. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Did you wake up singing this morning? Actually, I happened to this morning. Don't, don't always, not every day, but the Lord is good. Sing his praises. Praise must be a part of our prayers for them to be effective. We can't pray in faith if we don't understand how great our God is. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We're we're coming to him with our petitions because we know who he is. And if we know who he is, we need to express that. And even our own words can help to to build our, our faith. 
Well, if he really is Lord of Lords and King of Kings, if our Father really is the Almighty God, what a privilege I have to ask him what I need to ask him today. I know he's able. Praise. Colossians 4.2. A part of praise in connection with praise is thanksgiving. If you begin to praise God for who he is and what he's done, you'll understand that you've benefited from that. And now you need to express thanks for his faithfulness. So praise and thanksgiving go hand in hand. And if we begin to neglect these things in our prayers, it will manifest itself in the deterioration of our spiritual condition. And then that will begin to have consequences in every area of your life, your marriage, every relationship. When we begin to neglect our prayers and neglect the elements of prayer. Praise and thanksgiving, Colossians 4, 2. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. When you acknowledge who God is, praise. And you acknowledge what he's done because of who he is in your own life, that should should produce. And when it's genuine, it will produce thanksgiving. Lord, thank you for your mercy. Can you look back? There's some of us older ones here. Can you older ones look back and see how God has ordered your steps all along the way? Can we not acknowledge that and give him thanks? The younger ones, you, you don't have quite the experience that the older ones have. But right now, you can begin to, to know the faithfulness of the Lord in your choices now. And you can look back, not years ago, but you can look back yesterday and see how the Lord ministered to you. And then as you get older... The faithfulness of God in your life that those experiences will just stack up over the years. And you can look back and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness. This is a, a real prayer life. It's not just mouthing words. It's not just repeating phrases. Prayer is an essential part of your Christian walk. And you won't be able to walk without prayer. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Revelation 22 and verse 20. This gives us our prayers context. We're talking about daily needs, real life events, decisions, things that impact us emotionally and sometimes physically. We're talking about needs that we have on a daily basis. But if we don't understand this part of the prayer, our prayers for today will have no real context. Revelation twenty two twenty. He who testifies to these things says, surely I come quickly Amen, even so come, Lord Jesus. Revelation 22, verse 20. Jesus says, I come quickly. It's been over 2,000 years. What did Peter tell us? With the eternal God, one day is 1,000 years, 1,000 years one day. Time means nothing to the eternal God. It means everything to us, doesn't it? But not to the eternal God. He is coming. It may or may not be in your lifetime, but he's coming. And we are to live in anticipation of that coming. Everything we do in life needs to be in that context. Jesus is coming. Things are not going to remain the same. We've seen so many changes in, in recent years. It certainly changes since Jesus walked this earth. But it seems like those changes are, are coming much more rapid than ever before. The vileness of the world. All the different events, natural disasters and weather and everything else, all of them are pointing to the fact that God is reminding us we're not in control, that there are things that are going to take place in order to prepare 
for the coming of the Lord. And so when we pray for our daily needs today, and God cares about everything that that affects you, whether it's important to anyone else, whether anyone else thinks it's a big deal, if it matters to you, it matters to your father. I'm not saying it matters to him in the same way it matters to you, but because you matter to him, he cares. But if we don't understand that those needs are met in the context of that eternal purpose of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll not understand what prayer is all about. Even so, Lord Jesus, come. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8 that that we are to love his appearing. That crown of righteousness will be given to those who love the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Live your life as if you are anticipating the coming of the Lord. You're going to meet him one way or another. Some, by the way, of the grave, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. But one way or another, you're going to meet the Lord. Are you living your life that way? Thy will be done. This is kind of the bedrock of prayer. Much prayer today is all about my will be done. The promise of prayer is such a a glorious, powerful promise for the believer. But unlike the teaching of some today, God has put limitations on prayer. There are those that say, whatever you say, whatever you speak, that'll come into existence. They call themselves faith preachers. They're blasphemers. They put man in control. God becomes man's servant. Do what I say, when I say, how I say. What blasphemy in that kind of teaching? Thy will be done. You're God. You're sovereign. You're my father. First John chapter 5, verses 14 to 15. First John five fourteen and 15. Here we see the limits that God has placed on prayer. And when I say limits, these limits are for our safety. They're not to deprive us of anything. These boundaries that God puts around the promise of prayer are for our benefit, and I'm glad for them. I'm glad that God doesn't give me everything I ask for, cry for, or demand. I'd be in big trouble. First John five fourteen. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything, and some people skip the, the next phrase and just go, he hears us. I'd like that part. If we ask anything, he's going to hear us, and he's going to answer. No. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. In other words, anything that we need in the will of God to do the will of God and to benefit to its fullest, God will answer. He'll provide exactly everything you need for you to have his best in this life and in eternity. That's the promise of answered prayer. What a promise. But it is all in the context of his will. And so when you pray, that, that's part of your, your coming to your Father in the first place is, Lord, over and above everything else, it's okay to, to tell him what you would like. Tell him your desires. Tell him your fears. He's your Father. You can say anything you want to him. He'll understand. He knows your heart anyway. You might as well tell him. It's not like you're holding it back from him. Remember when those that are listening to the Genesis study says that Sarah laughed within herself in unbelief when God promised her a child. She laughed within herself, and God heard. (laughs) So you can say anything to your father, but when it's all said and done, what is it you really want in life? Hopefully, if you've been enlightened, 
You want the will of God to be done in you and through you. Pray according. Thy will be done. Don't try to tell God how to do it, when to do it. Trust your Father. Give us this day our daily bread. Philippians 4, 6 to 7. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Our daily bread. Jesus in his wisdom gives the most basic element of life. Foods, sustenance, to live. And in doing so, in giving this basic element, he, he's saying everything you need today, spirit, soul, or body, ask your Father. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What a glorious privilege we have to pray. We take it for granted. We... we often neglect it. But what a privilege we have. God's people that are constantly anxious, fretting, discouraged, and defeated. Often part of the formula of that is failing to pray in faith, looking to the Lord to supply those daily needs, asking him. Jesus says, you have not because you ask not. I never want to be guilty of that. I have been. If we don't learn to daily depend on him, you're going to depend on somebody, either yourself or somebody else, and any other source will fail you. There is no other source for what you need today but what's found in Jesus Christ, in his name, in his authority as you come before the Father. Forgive us our debts. The forgiveness that Jesus talks about here is not forgiveness for salvation because we are addressing God as Father. So this is the prayer of a believer, of a child of God, one who is eternally a child of God. So why do we need to pray for forgiveness if we've already been forgiven? This forgiveness is for fellowship, that it not hinder our fellowship with our Father and with our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Mark 11, this is an important part of prayer as well. We can't come to our Father asking Him for what we need when we hold bitterness, anger toward a brother or sister in Christ, or anyone for that matter. We can't help it if someone doesn't like us and treats us unjustly. We can't do anything about that. But we can guard our own heart. If someone wants to treat you wrongly, they want to hate you, they want to torture you in whatever way that they can, don't give them that power. They don't have a right. You belong to God. We have to let people steal our crown. Satan can't take it away from you. People can't take it away from you by force. You have to let them take it. And we let them take it when we try to retaliate against injustice, when we fear injustice, when we let people have power over us that God says they have no power over us. Mark eleven twenty two. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Okay, that sounds like some of those faith preachers. That's why you compare scripture with scripture and understand the context of that. That's true within the will of God. If God wants that mountain removed and you say mountain be removed by faith, it'll be removed. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, 
that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. Now notice the title there. doesn't say your judge. doesn't say God. It says your Father will forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. The forgiveness that we give in our hearts is that that bitterness and hatred does not disturb our fellowship and our walk with our Father. Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 7, we won't read there, but even husbands, and it goes the other way too, but if we hold grudges against our spouse, it says it will hinder our prayer life. <laughs> this is a very practical element that, that Jesus puts in here. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Don't let anything in my heart or my life my conduct stand between me and having an open, full fellowship with my Father and with the Lord Jesus Christ. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, or better translated, from the evil one, from his purposes. This is a petition for guidance. Lord, I don't know how to run my own life. Teach me. Lead me. We need this kind of prayer. Lord, I need direction in this decision. I need wisdom. The 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me into paths of righteousness. Are you looking to the shepherd to be led? Or are you just getting up and living your life? Prayer. James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, in James 1, 5, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. He will give that guidance. And that will lead to being delivered from the purposes of Satan. Satan hates you. He wants to keep you from enjoying all that God sent Jesus to die to give you. But when we ask the Lord for direction for the decisions of our life, every decision, big and small, in prayer, he'll deliver us from Satan's purposes. It doesn't mean that Satan won't be allowed to attack from time to time, as was the case with Job. But if God allows something in your life... Satan has a purpose. He wants to discourage you. But God will use that very same thing when we learn to cast those cares upon the Lord. When we look to him for direction, your father will see to it that the very attack of the enemy will actually produce in your life exactly what God wants for you. What confidence we have when we learn to pray with this kind of prayer. He'll deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, power, and glory. The Lord's model prayer ends with praise and confidence because you know that the one to whom you've prayed is well able to do what he promised he would do. You end with such confidence because you know to whom you've prayed. He's my father who loves me. I know he loved me. He sent his son to die for me. And my father is the almighty God. That means there's no other power that can resist him. Do you see how that a healthy prayer life will lead to a healthy Christian life? And do you see how without prayer, that's going to leave you weak? May we not neglect the privilege, the responsibility, and the power of prayer in our life. He's able to do, as Paul wrote the Ephesians, he's able to do above and beyond what you're able to think. You say, oh, Brother Doug, I can't live the Christian life you always talk about. If you're a child of God, you can. But there are things you have to dedicate yourself to. You can't be a lazy Christian. And one of the foundation building blocks for a strong spiritual life is prayer. With all of these elements, he ends with 
Amen. It's not just a word that we say. Sometimes it becomes just routine. But when you say amen, you're saying, so be it. That's what it means. Just like you said. Isn't that what Mary said when the angel said you're going to have, you're going to give birth to the Son of God? Impossible. That's impossible. Never known a man. The answer was, with God, nothing's impossible. And once she laid hold of that, then what did she say? So be it done unto me according to your word. Amen. When you've made your petitions before your father, amen. It'll be just like he said. He will show himself faithful. May the Lord help us not to neglect prayer. Let's have a song in closing. We'll stand as we sing.